I begin with a question before we jump in to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 is where we're at today. Do you have an area of your life where victory and freedom just seem to be out of reach? Think about it. Could there be an area in your life, and you've tried, and you've worked this, and you've tried it this way, but it just seems like victory and freedom just aren't available for you. Maybe it's a stubborn negative habit that just won't go away. Maybe it's an entangling sin that you've attempted many times to quit. You've tried to kill it over and over again, and it just keeps coming back. It's your own little personal nightmare. keeps coming back, and no matter what you do, it just keeps coming back at you again and again. This morning, we're going to examine an encounter that Jesus had with a man who was literally stuck. Track with me. Stuck, unable to move, no freedom, no victory for 38 years. No victory in sight. Could be that some of you here today, you have a hurt, a habit, a hang-up that's been following you around for decades. Maybe something that you've been battling with and dealing with and it's been maybe 38 years for you. Locate with me on your phone, in your Bible, John chapter 5. We're going to stand and read the first 15 verses together out loud. Would you stand with me if you're able? John 5, verses 1 through 15. Ready? Here we go. Let's read together. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. From time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. 
Let's pray. Lord, what an interesting story that you inspired John to write down for us. So we just want to say thanks. And thank you that you still wait patiently for people like this man who are stuck on mats. And Lord, I suspect there's some here today who've been stuck on a mat in some area of their life for a long time. Would you point that out clearly today? As we dig in and examine this conversation and the events around John chapter 5, would you take it beyond this event and apply it to our lives? Would you give us motivation and the drive, perseverance, the faith to trust you? Because, Lord, I still believe you're in the business of bringing freedom and victory in areas of our life. Lord, I don't believe that was just true for back then. I believe you're still doing powerful stuff today. So would you meet us today in your church? May the power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, be welcomed today in your church. And the power of your spirit and the power of your word are a dynamic combination. So we invite you now, come and meet us where we're at. We're listening. We're ready to hear from you. We're ready to respond. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. I want to show you a picture um, of the ruins of the pool of Bethesda. Bob's been there. I've had the, the privilege of being there twice. Um, until 1967, these ruins were under lots and lots of layers. So until 1967, 51 years ago, the site was lost. Skeptics used sites like this as an opportunity to attack the credibility of God's Word, the Bible. They'd say, well, if this is such a known place, where is it? And this seems here, they get very specific information near the sheep gate and the colonnades. There's no such place. See, the Bible's a myth. Until 1967, when uh, they uh, unearthed and the debris in this picture were discovered and excavated. And again, I'm telling you, they're, they're pretty... Some ruins you go, well, I see a lot of rock, but some ruins you look at and you go, wow. And this is one of those wows. It's huge, the size of two Olympic swimming pools. So get that in your head. That's where this took place. Now I need you to go to verse 4. Go in your Bibles, because unless you have a King James, verse 4 is interesting. It's missing. Um, and it says, usually a little footnote, something like, um, some less important manuscripts include this verse. Really? What say you, Pastor Jeff? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. You ready? Here we go. How do you respond? It's missing. It's down in the footnotes. First, I would say this. Without verse 4, this whole conversation is really unclear. What's going on? Why is the man on the edge? Why is he sad? Why is he saying, I, I, I'm not able to get in? It doesn't really make sense, this, this whole section, without verse 4. 
Secondly, I don't believe the Lord is in the business of playing games with his followers. Here's what I mean by that. Until the 1970s, uh, everybody thought, verse 4, John 15, 4, John, excuse me, John 5, 4, that's a part of God's word. That's inspired scripture. But in the 70s, when they're doing some new translations, specifically the NIV, uh, they realized, you know, there's not really great evidence of manuscripts, not the early and the best manuscripts with verse 4 in them. Okay? So that is true, but still what you have is God saying, that's my word till the 1970s, and now smart guys got together and realized there's not great manuscript evidence. Okay, now, nope, just kidding. We, I know you thought it was my word, but not really. Okay? I just don't believe that's how the Lord treats his children. Third point that I would make. Scholars are correct. It is true. There's left manuscript evidence, but here's what I believe with all my heart. What God inspires, he also preserves. What God inspires, he also gets it down through the generations. And I would argue he's preserved John 5-4 down through the centuries and I believe we can say with confidence, John 5, 4 is God's word. There you go, verse 5. Let's continue on. I'll get off my soapbox. We'll move on. One, one man who was there had been an invalid, unable to move for 38 years. This guy was laying by this pool for 38 years, Seems to be all alone, no family, no friends, no hope for almost four decades. Almost four decades, nothing happening, okay? So likely he's a beggar, likely he's in bad situation. I would argue probably has uh, none or, or black rotting teeth because uh, you just can't make it to get the uh, toothbrush and the floss easily. I suspect he didn't smell well. Um, I also suspect that, uh, you know, he couldn't make it very easily, didn't have McDonald's or porta-potties. Do you understand what I'm saying? This, this would not have been a happy situation that Jesus comes upon. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him a question. Do you want to get well? I love that Jesus doesn't avoid this man. I love that Jesus doesn't avoid this sad place. This would be like the place of sadness and no hope and despair. This is where the sick and the paralyzed and the blind people hung out. And I'm telling you, at this time, without modern medicine, you know, if you broke your leg and you don't have proper surgery in time, it's going to be a problem. If you get an infection in your eyes and there's no antibiotics, there's going to be a problem with your sight. Some of you, I could ask you right now, take your glasses off, and just pretend you lived at this time. Some of you would be in trouble if you didn't have your glasses with you today. Well, they didn't have modern optometry at this point. So please understand, there was a lot of people here, 
And Jesus doesn't avoid this spot. I suspect most people said, no, I I don't want to go near the pool of Bethesda. That's a really sad place, and it's smelly, and, and you got all of these really sick and hurting and needy people. But please note, Jesus is drawn to this place. It seems like Jesus specializes in going to places of hurt and need and pain. Give me your eyes. And shouldn't we, as followers of Jesus, follow him in this way as well? And I'm just telling you, it's natural when you know that it's a sad place or people are needy and they're hurting and in pain and pretty hopeless, a lot of times we say, no, thank you, I don't need that. And I'm just telling you, that's not how Jesus saw it. He would be drawn to the nursing homes. Jesus would be drawn to the hospice centers. Jesus would be in the hospitals. He would be in the jails. He would be in the Celebrate Recovery meetings. Why? Because that's where Jesus went for people who were hurting and desperate and in need. Listen, we should follow his lead. We should follow his lead. Now, back to verse 6. There's a question there. Pretty interesting question. Want to say it with me? Do you want to get well? (laughs) Do you want to get well? Now, Here's my question about this question. Why on earth would this man not want to get well? Okay? So before we dig in to this question, my question is, why would he not want to get well? What would it be uh, that would cause him to say, I don't think I want to get well? Well, here's the blunt fact. If this man gets well, gets up off his mat, and starts able to walk, his life is going to change big time. Huge change for this man if he stands up and walks. Um, For instance, he's no longer a beggar. That would be his job right now. His full-time job is to want to get in the pool and to beg for money. Now he's going to have to go get a job. He's going to have to start going to temple and sacrificing for his sin, going at the festival times. Do you understand? Uh, He's going to have to probably plant a garden. He's going to have to look after a cow or chickens. He's going to have to reconnect with his family. He's going to have to go and make new friends. Do you understand? In some significant ways, it probably would have been easier and safer just to stay on his mat. The safe thing, the easy thing, let's just keep begging Let's just keep hoping for a miracle. Maybe I can roll in the pool at the proper time. The safe thing to do would be to just hang on the mat. The first step, give me your eyes, this is huge, for healing and victory is to decide whether you really want to get well. Do you really want to get well? (laughs) And here's what that really means, give me your eyes. Will you do whatever it takes to get well on your end. Now you're going to have to trust the Lord to do his end, but are you willing to do whatever it takes to get well? And here's what I've discovered in counseling. Lots of times I want the person to get well, but they're really not interested in getting well. 
Lots of times, I really want them to get up off their mat, but the truth is, that's not very safe. That's not going to be easy. That's going to involve a whole bunch of changes, and I'm just telling the huge first question is, do you really want to get well? Meaning I'm ready to do whatever it takes on my end to get victory. Verse 7, here's his response. Sir, Jesus, he didn't know who he was right there. The invalid replied, I have nobody to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. I like the fact the man is saying, yes, I want to get well, but I don't have anybody to help me get well. I've tried and I've tried. I lack the ability is what he's saying. I've got no one to help me, therefore my situation is bleak. I'm almost giving up. I'm just saying, sadly, here's the truth, we're surrounded these days by people who've given up. I, I, I quit. I've tried and I've tried and I just can't do it. I've got no one to help me. I give up. I quit. I can't change. I'm weak. I'm a failure. I just need to accept my poor, miserable fate. Do you understand there's lots of people around us? That's their mindset. I can't. I'm a failure. There's no hope. Some of you have a weakness in your life that I suspect some of you have started to feel this way. Maybe you just can't get well in an area of your life. Some of you might say, you know, I've tried quitting drinking and I just can't do it. I, I, can, I can do it for a while. I, I, I just can't quit gambling. It, it just got me by the throat. And I've tried not to go to the casino and I've tried not to get involved and I just can't do it. I quit. Some of you have anger and temper issues. And you've tried and you've tried. And now you've said, but you know, Dad had a temper. And Grandpa, he had a bad temper. So it just runs in my family. I, I, I'm not even going to try. My anger is stubborn and it refuses to go away. Some of you uh, say, you know, I, I just can't help from spending money that I don't have. It's like that credit card just magically comes out of my pocket, out of my purse, and I'm always spending money that I can't afford to spend, and I've tried to quit, and I just can't. <laughs> so what can I do? I give up. Notice what Jesus does next. What does Jesus do next? Does he buy him a new mattress? Look at it. Look at the text with me, John 5. Does he... Does he buy him a burger and uh, give him some cut flowers and say, here, have, have a burger and, uh, and uh, make your mat area look a little nicer? Or maybe he could sit him down, give him a little pep talk, a little strategy, and I want to show you how next time the waters stir, you can roll into the water first. Is that what Jesus does? Anyone? <laughs> no. Verse 8, what does he do? Jesus says to the man, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. With authority, with power, Jesus takes charge. Hey, buddy, you're not alone anymore. I, I know you were helpless and hopeless, but I'm telling you right now, pick up your mat 
and walk. And he trusts the words of Jesus. Jesus gives him the strength to stand and to walk. It's powerful. Powerful. And note, think about it. He tells the man, pick up your mat and walk. Isn't that interesting? Why would he do that? Why would Jesus say, and don't just get up and walk and walk away from your situation. Pick up the mat you've been laying on for 38 years and walk. Why? Here's what I think. I think Jesus is saying to him, I don't want you thinking I'm healed today, but in case I can't walk tomorrow, I'll just leave my stuff here and I got my spot and I can come back and I can lay back here where I've been for 38 years. No, no, the, I might need it tomorrow. I'm just going to take that option off the table. Um, and I'm just telling you, this is huge. This is huge. When you want to get healing, you make no provision to go back and get back on your paralyzed mat. Does that make sense? In, in other words, it's not, Jesus, heal me, but in, but in case you don't... Um, I've stashed away my smoke so I can go and, and I won't be without cigarettes in case I'm really not healed and cured. Do you understand? Oh, Jesus, I want you to cure me from this addiction to alcohol, but in case it's really not a real healing, I, I don't want to be without, so I'm going to keep a little stash somewhere convenient. I want to make sure I got that. I'm not going to flush the pills down the toilet because I might need them tomorrow or next week or next month. And besides, they're expensive. Here's what Jesus tells the man to do. Are you listening? Burn the bridge. <laughs> Burn the mat. No, no. You remove your spot there. You're, you're not there anymore. And I want you to make no provision for going back. And if you're struggling with profanity, you might need to cancel the HBO the Showtime, the Cinemax, the garbage that keeps feeding your brain that comes out your mouth. Do you understand? You might need to burn the bridge that is contagious to what you're struggling with. Pick up your mat. You're not coming back there anymore. That's not where you live any longer. Cut off any possibility of going back. Now, verses 10 to 13 the Jewish leaders go crazy. They show their true colors. They should have been thrilled. They should have been, wow, I don't know his name. Uh, Joseph, <laughs> we know you. We, we've watched you for 40 years laying there. We are thrilled that you are walking and that you can move. Instead, verses 10 to 13, what are they hyperventilating about? Who told you you could carry a mat on the Sabbath? Just think about that. They knew this guy. He's been there forever. And now he's walking, and all they care about are their foolish, man-made religious rules. That's the only thing they care about. You can't, be, you can't be carrying a mat on the Sabbath. Who do you think you are? Who told you you could carry the mat on the Sabbath? They're majoring on the minors. They should have been rejoicing with him, and instead they're mad at the guy for doing something that honestly the law does not forbid. He's just getting out of there. Their religious system, their man-made 
rules and regulations are cold and sterile and ugly. And I just want you to know, we're capable of that today. You understand? We're really good at majoring on minors today if we're not careful. We're good about creating all these man-made rules and systems and regulations. And I'm just telling you, unless we major on the majors, walk daily with Jesus, stay filled with His Spirit, very quickly we move and we're just like these religious leaders. Slide down to verse 14. I've got to be honest, I didn't really get verse 14 uh, until recently. But here's what it says. Later... Uh, Jesus found the healed man at the temple and said to him, um, See, you're well again, you're walking again, you're whole, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Joseph, we're giving him a name. Jesus tells the healed man, you've been made whole. You, you have been physically healed. The words here seem to imply you've been spiritually healed. You've been, by faith, you've trusted, you've believed in my words, you, you've followed my commands, you've been made a new man, now don't go back to the sin that caused you to be on your mat to begin with. Let that soak in. Don't go back to sin that caused you to be on your mat to begin with. <laughs> Did you know that sin has consequences? Do you understand that when you sin, sometimes the consequences are physically tragic? And I don't know what happened here. In my mind, here's my scenario. Joseph was uh, drinking way too much, having a really great night, and he jumped on his horse to ride home, and he fell off his horse and he was paralyzed while riding drunk. That's my scenario. Maybe you can think of one, but in some way, what Jesus is saying is, don't go back to sinning, because that's why you were on the mat to begin with. Let me quote Pastor Tim Keller here. The Bible does not say that every difficulty is the result of sin, but it does teach that every sin will bring you into difficulty. Isn't that good? Yeah, so not every sin. How do you know that? Well, Job, it says clearly, was a righteous man, and the trouble he faced was not because of sin. We know in John chapter 11, the man born blind, we'll see that later in our study through John, it says clearly this was not a result of sin. So not every time that there's trouble and difficulty in, their, in our lives is it from sin. But please understand, sometimes, maybe even most of the time, our pain and our suffering is the result of our sin or somebody's sin around us. What we've sown or what somebody has sown as sin has been reaped in trouble and judgment and hard times. So, I wonder how many of you are dealing with some area of your life today, right now, that you would feel weak and sick and troubled and painful. Would you let that soak in just a minute? How many of you would say, you know what, I have an area just like that. 
I have maybe an area I feel like this man. I'm paralyzed and glued, and I can't move in this area of my life. We've begun for the past six months to offer a prayer corner. Any of you able to point to where the prayer corner is? It's right there, where that big light is over there. Little light, I guess, throwing off big uh, lumens for us. Whenever we're singing songs of praise to Jesus, you can go over there and we've got leaders from the church body ready to pray with you, pray for you. I'll just keep saying it. We've seen some of you get it, but it's not quite taken hold. Our prayer is that every Sunday you come in here and there's some bad things going on, some hurtful, painful tragic things that you're facing, you got somewhere to go where people will pray and anoint you with oil if that's needed and seek prayer and, and have the leaders pray over you. That, that's our desire that that would happen. Where do you get that? We get that from James 5, verse 14. Here's what it says. Is any of you among you sick? That's the Greek word asthenio. It means a place of weakness, a place of trouble, a place of sickness in your life. So what we're saying is if you're sick, if you're glued to your mat, if you've got weakness and pain in your life, James 5, verse 14, last part, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So if you've got a weak spot, if you've got a sick spot, if you've got a painful spot, what should you do? Call the elders and ask them to anoint you with oil. Could be an area of sickness in your spiritual life, an entangling, besetting sin. And I'm just telling you, I believe that most of us have an area, I call it a fatal flaw, that if we don't get the Lord's control and power and victory in our lives, I believe everybody here today, you have an area without Jesus empowering, that entangling sin has the potential to destroy you. That's how serious that is. Maybe it's an area of weakness in your emotional life. Maybe fear and anxiety control your life. And you're on the mat when it comes to that. You're suffering. You're super glued to the mat. You just can't get up. Maybe some of you have a job situation. It's weak. It's sick. It's bad. Pray for me. Maybe your finances are Dave Ramsey's Worst nightmare. That's an area of sickness. <laughs> oh, Lord, please help us. Perhaps you're sick. Your, your area is just like this man in John 5. Maybe there's an area of sickness in your physical body. Maybe it has nothing to do with sin that you've committed. Maybe it's just a, like Paul says, I've got this tent, this earthly tent, this earthly body. And here's what Paul says. Uh, my tent, it starts getting torn and ripped in places. And, and my tent has holes that have appeared. Some of you understand that terminology these days. Uh, I'm understanding it more and more. I just, just know that would apply to what we're talking about. You might think, well, we don't have the pool of Bethesda anymore. Jesus isn't walking around Jerusalem looking to come 
and confront people physically like that. So what should we do today? What can we do in 2018? I take you back, James 5.14. Here's what it says. Is any of you sick, weak? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, to pray over you. Anoint me with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to break this down. It's like four easy steps. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to be specific. First, admit that you have an area of weakness. That's the first step because some of you got an area and you're saying, I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> not me. Not me. I'm fine. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Not really, but I'm not admitting it. So the first step is you have to admit there's an area of weakness, humbling yourself. Second, go. Go to the elders, uh, the leaders of the local church. And what do you do when you go to them? Third, ask them to anoint you with oil and pray over you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Fourth and final step, burn the bridges. <laughs> Get rid of anything that might contribute, contribute to you remaining sick. You understand? If there's anything in your life that you know, I, I could go right back to that because that's like right there, or this is still available. You burn the bridge. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut the credit cards. I'm going to do whatever it takes because I want to see this healing take place in my life. Why? James 5.16, because prayer is powerful. And prayer is effective. Prayer brings the healing and the strength and the presence of Jesus to our lives. Give me your eyes. So we're all going to get happy storybook uh, and they lived happily forever after endings. We saw last week that that's just simply not the case. But what you'll get is the presence and the power of Jesus to come and bear on your situation, on your life. And I'm just telling you, that's what we want. That's what we need. That's what we're asking for. I would ask now that the elders and the wives, uh, the leaders here at Walloon, would you uh, gather there on sides of the auditorium, there uh, by the stained glass on both sides. Um, Andy's going to come now with the band. This is not just a, well, here is the very theoretical thing. We're actually going to give you an opportunity to put God's word into practice right now. So as Andy and uh, Tiffany and Kayla come, we're going to give you an opportunity to put these verses into practice. Would you bow your heads? Key question to consider, is there an area of weakness or sickness in your life right now? Do you feel stuck in some area of your life, just can't move? Second thought is, would you have me to go now, Lord, and humble myself and put James 5 into practice? Lord, what would you have me to do? Are you nudging me? Are you asking me to go to the leaders and ask them to pray over me, anoint me with oil? Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Is it time for me to get well? Those of you who are doing well, here's what James 5.13 says, then just sing songs of praise. So while uh, 
while Andy leads us. You can praise Jesus for the mountaintop you're enjoying with him. And I'd encourage you as you see people in need, pray for them. Join with them. Would you?